You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. So everything really exists on, on a spectrum, I'll say. How much you need to cut back on some things is going to be different for everyone. And that's one reason why having access to blood testing is so important, because you need to be able to check up on where your cholesterol is based on what you've recently done. That was Ashley Reaver. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, everyone. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. We are just a few days out from Christmas and the new year, and I am wishing you a wonderful holiday. Stay safe and stay healthy. Speaking of healthy... I'm super excited to connect you with today's guest, registered dietitian, Ashley Weaver. We're talking all things cholesterol, what it is, how it works, good and bad, genetic versus diet-based, and how you can improve it and maintain good cholesterol with the right foods. Ashley sheds light on her new course, a deep dive into optimal nutrition for improving cholesterol, how you can lower your levels and live a longer, healthier life. But before we get started, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest. This is Ashley's second time on the show. She is one of my trusted sources for health and nutrition expertise. She is also a certified sports dietitian and the lead nutrition scientist at Inside Tracker, which is actually how we met, and I am a huge fan. Ashley is a nutrition lecturer at UC Berkeley, has her own private practice, and she's also a triathlete. You can find her on Instagram at lower.cholesterol.nutrition, where she is also offering a free class on cholesterol, as well as a paid deeper dive course. Get ready for an eye-opening conversation. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Scroll through the app, click on the five stars, write a review. Also, share this podcast with your friends, whether you send it in an email, share it on your Instagram stories, or on Facebook, wherever you listen and wherever you're social. Now, on to our conversation. Welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. Thank you. This is your second time here. Yep. Very excited to be back. And during our first conversation back on May 6th, right when everybody was in lockdown, we talked about endurance sports nutrition for performance fueling. We also talked a lot about immune system building and boosting mm. your vitamin D and C. May 6th. My God, that seems like a 10 years ago. ago. I know. <laughs> I mean, time has really flown by. I mean, in a very weird way, but yeah. 
this year just went into a black hole. Which is good. I hope it stays there <laughs> and I'm ready for 2021. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so funny that this happened because leading into 2020, everyone's like, this is going to be such a good year. We have yeah. clarity and vision and nope. <laughs> I had so many plans. Like I was on such a good track. I had just... I was like ready, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And I literally just got a COVID test today for the first time. I don't have COVID. I just did it for precautionary, preliminary mental sanity. Sure. It's good to be ahead of the curve with your health and wellness as opposed to waking up and having to do damage control and crisis management. Yes, definitely. So, and speaking of, today we're talking about cholesterol, which has nothing to do with COVID, but (laughs) it's getting ahead of your health and wellness to understand what that means when you're supposed to get, you know, your cholesterol tested and all of the things that everyone needs to know about cholesterol, because there's a lot out there that you hear, but, you know, what are the facts? So thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm more happy, happy to be able to share this with your audience, because I think in particular for females, it is not something that is talked about enough, um, but something that a lot of Americans and, and people all over the world are struggling with. And there's just not great resources for how to combat high cholesterol. Yeah, naturally. So even a few weeks ago, I had my physical and I have really, really awesome cholesterol. <laughs> Kudos to you. <laughs> and I'm really proud of it. I work on my health religiously. So, you know, I do have great cholesterol. It's 132 total. My triglycerides are 32. My HDL is 89. And my LDL is 37. But is that good? <laughs> That's great. I'm thankful and grateful for those numbers. I also don't eat a lot of things that would cause me to have high cholesterol. But I have heard from family members that it does run in our family. So I've mm-hmm. been hyper aware of my cholesterol as I sort of try to get ahead of it. I do test all my biomarkers either at my doctor or with Inside Tracker. And then I look at how I can improve or if things are great, like what am I doing that make them great? So let's talk about this idea of cholesterol being related to your diet versus being hereditary and maybe start there. Yeah, sure. So I love this family history lens because there are all sorts of things that make up your family history. Your genetics are a pretty small fraction of all of the things that you inherit from your family. And I also have a family history of cholesterol, which is one of the reasons why I was really, really excited to pivot into focusing on cholesterol just from family members that have gone through it and they're just not being an option other than take this drug. And I think one thing that's super important to to acknowledge is just that, yes, you inherit genetics. There is a small, small fraction of the population that has genetic reasons behind their body either producing too much cholesterol or not being able to remove cholesterol from their circulation. But that is less than 10% of the population, most likely even smaller than that. The vast majority of individuals with high levels of cholesterol are due to diet and lifestyle related factors. And that doesn't necessarily mean that someone with high cholesterol is unhealthy. I think that that's a really important distinction. You can still be doing a lot of 
You can still be exercising. You can be a, a vegan or vegetarian that has high cholesterol. Right. There's just specific nutrients that should be in your diet or maybe are in your diet at too high of an amount that are causing this higher level of cholesterol. Um, and on family history, thinking about um, some of my first clients in private practice in general were talking about that they have a family history of high cholesterol that four of their six siblings are on statins and it's just something that you know they're doomed to, to have and I always ask well do your siblings eat in the same way that you do and if the answer is yes then that would make sense that you also have similar metabolic conditions to your siblings you and other than your genetics you also inherit your favorite foods the type of foods that you're used to eating on a regular basis how you prepare your foods foods that you eat in celebration, ways that you move your body. And those are all things that are often not considered as part of your family history. But those are the things that overwhelmingly impact uh, having higher cholesterol levels. Genetics is a very, very small fraction of the scale of people that would be impacted by uh, or genetic reasons for high cholesterol. It's cultural, more like how mm-hmm. you were raised, like what are the foods that are your comfort foods? What are your go-tos, like what are the things that are just inherently your diet and your lifestyle? Yep, exactly. Interesting. If you were not exposed to a large swath of foods or if you grew up eating a dinner that had meat, potatoes, and green beans or whatever that was, those are the types of things that you've carried into your now adult life that you're still implementing that are impacting your cholesterol levels. Demystify like what cholesterol is and what are the different components that make up your total cholesterol and why are they important? Yep, definitely. So if you were to get a lipid panel done, there's usually four different markers that you'll see there. One of them would be your triglycerides. Your triglycerides are essentially just stored energy in your body. Triglycerides are what 95% of the fats that we eat from foods as well as fats in our body. They're in the form of triglycerides. So when we store energy, we store it as triglycerides in our body fat, but also as that energy is circulating throughout our bloodstream, it's circulating in the form of triglycerides for our organs to be able to use. The two specific types of lipoproteins, LDL and HDL, are also usually listed on blood work. Your HDL is what's called that quote unquote good cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And LDL is that bad cholesterol. If LDL is not listed, sometimes you'll see non-HDL cholesterol. Okay. Um, and that's just basically everything that's not HDL in your of your lipoproteins. So how I really like to explain LDL and HDL is HDL is basically like a good cop and LDL you can think about as robbers. LDL is considered technically bad because it has the potential to cause damage. Right. Especially if there's too much of it, if it's around for a long period of time. And if there's some other factors like inflammation, excess body weight, high blood pressure, smoking, all of those things can contribute to that LDL becoming more dangerous. And HDL's role in the body is basically it kind of goes out and picks up cholesterol and transports it back to the liver before it can cause damage and where it can perhaps be rehabilitated into a member of your body that is a more productive member. So using that HDL, LDL, cops and robbers mentality, think of that LDL out there as potentially being able to cause some damage and HDL trying to pick it up before damage is caused and taking it to jail, which you can think of as your liver, liver. (laughs) and and rehabilitating it as something else or removing it from the body. It doesn't get a get out of jail free card from the liver. (laughs) 
Right. And that's why the ratio yes. of your HDL to LDL is so important, because if you have more of these robbers out there on the streets of your blood vessels, you want to make sure you also have a higher level of this HDL, a higher level of these cops that can go and pick it up and take it back to the liver. And so that balance is something that people talk about very often. If you have a high LDL and a low HDL, that's going to be at, at the highest risk for developing some sort of cardiovascular disease. And your total cholesterol, which is often the, the fourth thing that's listed there, is basically just a combination mm -hmm. of all three of those things. It is measured in a couple of different ways, but just a note that it's usually your HDL, your LDL, as well as some other things that become LDL, and then a fraction of your triglycerides impact that too. Really what you want is looking at the total cholesterol, okay. dividing that by your HDL, and that's really what your cholesterol ratio is. Okay. So ideally, you're going to have less than 3 or 3.5. That's what's really going to be optimal. So mine is 1.5. Yours is great. So why you should care about your cholesterol is because those LDLs, again, are the ones that can potentially cause damage. What happens if you have too high of an LDL for a longer period of time is that it can start to, it becomes oxidized, basically. It now becomes something that is, is damaging and harmful. And your white blood cells, which are part of your immune system, they end up basically adhering to your blood vessels and in primarily your arteries, attaching themselves or eating, you can think of these now harmful LDL particles. And after a while, once these white blood cells take up enough of them, they end up just dying. And then another white blood cell comes to take its place and do the same function. And the accumulation of those dead white blood cells in your arteries are what leads to the formation of plaque, if you've ever heard of that. Right. And that really is the beginning of this disease of atherosclerosis, which is those plaques in your arteries starting to build up, narrowing the space in those arteries, and then potentially increasing your risk for cardiovascular disease or having a heart attack or stroke. So that's why cholesterol is something that's so important. And cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death for Americans, both men and women. And often heart disease is thought of as something that's a man's disease, but it impacts women at the exact same rate. But for some reason, it's not something that like it is often talked about or supported for, for females, in my opinion. I would agree. I mean, you don't hear a lot about that. In understanding cholesterol and heart disease and like just that whole track of like wellness and health, what can you be eating to improve your cholesterol and maybe maintain it? And what are the foods that probably you should eliminate from your diet? So everything really exists on a spectrum, I'll say. Right. How much you need to cut back on some things is going to be different for everyone. And that's one reason why having access to blood testing is so important, because you need to be able to check up on where your cholesterol is based on what you've recently done. One reason that I think so many people end up on statins is because they are told year after year after year, like, we're going to watch your cholesterol. It's kind of high, but let's just see what happens. Or like, you need to maybe ch make some changes, but then they don't get that level tested again for another year. That's a really long time to act on faith, knowing whether or not what you're doing is having an impact. So there's no change year after year. And then ultimately you end up in a spot that's high enough to require medication to bring it back down. But really the two nutrients I'll say that are most important for considering your cholesterol are your saturated fat intake and then also your soluble fiber intake. Okay. And saturated fat is really the type of fat that you're going to find mostly in animal products. 
but you can also find it in coconut oil and palm oil, which is used in a lot of processed foods, as well as cocoa butter, unfortunately, is also pretty high in saturated fat. And saturated fat has such an impact on your cholesterol because basically any type of fat, any type of calorie containing food, theoretically, can go in towards becoming cholesterol. But saturated fat in particular, the, the LDL that's formed with saturated fat sticks around for a little bit longer. So not only is it sticking around in your system for a little bit longer, making your LDL level seem higher, but as it sticks around longer, it becomes smaller and much more dense. And that small, dense LDL is the type of LDL that is most likely to become damaging or dangerous. So limiting your saturated fat intake is something that's really important because you that's going to help to prevent the body basically producing a lot of this LDL and that that LDL is not going to stick around in your system for a long time. You really need to look at your diet and like, don't yep. lie to yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, be and real. <laughs> reducing your saturated fat does not mean cutting everything out. Right. Both things are really important. I love that you say you actually have to look at your diet. One of the so the, the course that I created on cholesterol, the first thing that I have you do is, is actually record what you eat for a week. Right. And then you use that information to inform which decisions are going to be the biggest kind of bang for your buck decisions, which ones are going to be the most impactful. Right. Because there's what you think you eat and then there's what you actually eat. Yes. So which is always pretty different. Yes. And then it's kind of figuring out, you know, where are these pockets in my diet that maybe I'm getting the most saturated fat that I didn't really realize. And again, it's not that you need to completely eliminate everything, but can you cut it back in a way that you don't feel deprived? You can still keep all of your favorite foods while supporting these cholesterol levels coming down. And in addition to foods that you can eliminate, are there foods that you can eat that help combat? That, that cholesterol? Okay. Absolutely. So that's this other one, soluble fiber. That's super important. And soluble fiber, I, how I like to visualize it is there's two different types of fiber. Soluble fiber swells when it comes into contact with water. Insoluble fiber isn't impacted by water. So if you visualize putting in a cup, putting a cup of oatmeal and a cup of water overnight in the fridge, it's going to look a lot different in the morning because it's absorbed a lot of that water mm -hmm. versus broccoli or celery, which are primarily this insoluble type of fiber. They're going to look exactly the same. And while you, you certainly need that type of insoluble fiber that you mostly get from fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. that fiber doesn't have an impact on your cholesterol. That soluble fiber is so, so important because in our small intestines, uh, we release a um, certain digestive compound called bile. And when we release that bile in order to be able to digest fats, if there's soluble fiber that's present, that fiber traps it basically and transports it out of the body. Without fiber, our body is incredibly efficient at recycling that bile. Like 97% of bile usually gets recycled. Okay. Um, but with a lot of that fiber, we transport it out of the body. And we need that bile in order to be able to digest fat. So our body has to make more of it. And it does that by utilizing our cholesterol stores. Okay. And that pathway is really the only thing that we can control to increase the rate that our body uses cholesterol. Because we need cholesterol for plenty of things. Every right. single cell in our body needs cholesterol. You need cholesterol for hormones, for vitamin D. Um, it's not that we're trying to completely eliminate cholesterol. That is certainly not the goal. But we don't really get to control, like, I'm going to use more cholesterol to make vitamin D today, or I really want to increase my testosterone level, so I'm going to use more cholesterol. I was we just thinking about that, those. actually. I was like, oh, no, my cholesterol is really low. Maybe that's why my vitamin D is low.
Perhaps I would say, I mean, statins, that's one thing that is important for statins. So statins really act to stop your body producing cholesterol. And when you stop your body producing cholesterol, you're also interfering with its production of vitamin D, as well as its production of those hormones, in particular testosterone, which usually gets men to kind of perk up a little bit and think Mm -hmm. about, well, maybe a bowl of oatmeal is better than taking this pill that can impact my testosterone. That's what we talked about last time. One of the things that we talked about was oatmeal and how you are saying like it's like your go-to, like a bowl of oatmeal Mm -hmm. a day is like one of the best things you could do for your body. Yeah. And that's because it's so high in this type of soluble fiber. Mm-hmm. I just posted something on Instagram today of people that refuse to eat oatmeal. But I, I posted something about six different ways that you could also include oats um, in your diet to reap the benefits of this basically cholesterol removal. Because otherwise, your cholesterol is just going to kind of hang around and accumulate. Right. Right. And how awesome that we do have a way that you can remove cholesterol from your system. I think a lot of people here that they have high cholesterol and they, you know, they, then they do the, it's hereditary. I can't do anything about Mm -hmm. it type thing. And I know that that's not true, but it sounds like this is the solution. It's what did you create that people can sign up for and do? So it's a course that walks, it has, it's split up into three different phases, just video lessons that are maybe five to 15 minutes long, but it walks people I like it because I think it's automated kind of a, my one-on-one process. Right looking at what you're eating and then slowly making changes to that that are sustainable where you don't feel completely deprived and that you're not going to just completely give up and go back to your normal way of eating because you do not want to yo-yo your cholesterol levels that is not impactful whatsoever and some of the feedback that I've gotten from members of the course that I've really loved were just that they walked away from the doctor's office learning that they had high cholesterol thinking that they already did like they had a good diet There was nothing that they could do. They needed to start a medication and then getting into the course and realize like almost being overwhelmed about the amount of things that they could tweak in their diet to improve their cholesterol. And they might Um, not need the medication. Absolutely. I'm not against statins. If you need statins, how amazing that there is a drug that can literally save your life. However, when presented with the options of taking a statin to lower your cholesterol or trying to make some changes in your diet. The dietary portion is like just glazed over. I had one member recently that she was on a keto diet, which is taking those two nutrients that are so important, your saturated fat and soluble fiber, and moving them in the opposite directions of where they need to be for your cholesterol. She got a blood test with her doctor. Her levels were high, and he automatically said, just go on statin. She was 29 years old. She'd be on this for the rest of her life. After six weeks of making these changes, she got her blood tested again, and it's down to 135, which is insanely low and almost horrifying to think of how low that could have been if she got put on these medications just because she was doing a certain type of diet at the time that she took that first blood test. I think that a lot of people are in the dark about this. I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't really know that it, it truly does stem from diet, a huge portion of your cholesterol. So there are options. Like it's not the end of the world unless you don't take care of it. Yeah. I mean, this is a funny thing that we see at Inside Tracker too. Is like as a dietitian, I always want to push people to change their diet. However, there are always going to be people that would rather just take a supplement 
the same thing is going to be true of how you approach changing your cholesterol. I would say there is no downside, though, of eating more soluble fiber. Maybe you lose some weight, you prevent diabetes, you're a little more regular in the mornings, but there's no negative side effect of changing your diet. It's not even an inconvenience once you learn the reasons behind those changes and do them, implement them in a way that isn't overwhelming. And you feel really empowered once you get that feedback that these changes that you've made have really made a big difference on your cholesterol. And again, statins are a miracle drug. They have absolutely saved a lot of lives, but they aren't the only way that you can bring this level down. So when people go on statins, do they stay on them forever? Is that like the the protocol or changes? It's individual per person or how does it work? So usually that is a prescription that you'd be on for the rest of your life. There are people that work it out with their doctors. They want to come off of statins and then they like really make a concerted effort to try changes to their diet and lifestyle. Um, Unfortunately, though, that's a much, much smaller portion of the population. And I would say a lot of those experiments also fail because yes, your statin has brought your cholesterol down. But if you go, if you keep eating the same way that you perhaps were eating before you got placed on a statin, of course, your cholesterol is going to go right back up. Right. So unless you have a, a plan and a strategy, you actually know what you need to change in order to naturally bring those cholesterol levels down. A lot of those experiments, unfortunately, end up with you going back on your statin in three months because you haven't actually made the changes to your diet that need to be there. What are some of the common mistakes that you see in people when they're trying to lower their cholesterol? Is there a difference between how men approach this or women? And, you know, is it like a general consensus of how people approach yeah. it? So I think for a big, big issue that I see in women is that there is a constant like monkey on the shoulder of screaming in women's ear that they need to focus on weight loss. And most weight loss diets are encouraging you to drastically increase your protein intake and cut back your carbs. Right. And protein intake for most people is animal products. So that results in a higher increase in saturated fat. And if you're cutting back your carbohydrates, you're also eliminating that soluble fiber that's so important for lowering those levels. Right. And I can't say that that's all stemming from cultural pressure, although it's certainly cultural pressure has a humongous impact on that of constantly thinking that you need to be on a diet to lose weight. But also there's a lot of healthcare professionals that are only telling people to lose weight or they're going to end up on statins. And there are plenty of thin people that have high cholesterol. Yes. Your cholesterol is not something that's based on your weight. There are plenty of people that do have additional love on their body that have perfectly fine cholesterol levels. And that's what's really surprising to me when like I'll meet an athlete, you know, and I talk to everyone, like when I'm out on my bike, out on a long ride, like I'll meet people and we end up talking about health and wellness or, you know, just people that are in my circle that I know and they're like, yeah, I have really high cholesterol. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't look like you have high cholesterol. Because yeah. I would normally, I would think it would be someone who maybe is overweight, but I also know a lot of people that aren't, that have high cholesterol. And then they say, well, you know, it's hereditary. There's nothing I can do about it. Like I'm just taking this medication and I, you know, I'm all about food as medicine, but I have no platform to stand on since my cholesterol is good. So I don't even really know that much about it. You know, I have never had the answer to that question, but I definitely know that like there's a will, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. And honestly, it's a huge problem of the things that they teach us in high school, how to cook, how to feed yourself 21 times a week, how to avoid heart disease and diabetes are three things that are off the list. Yeah. (laughs) But, it's you know, the typical way of eating in America 
is one that relies a lot on animal protein and does not incorporate a lot of whole grains. But then there's, you know, a, a whole other side of that of people that really are active, that are generally healthy people, but they are making those like kind of same mistakes of having more saturated fat and a lot less soluble fiber. Doesn't matter which body it happens in, both of those are going to result in higher levels of cholesterol. And now you talked about, you mentioned blood pressure earlier. Cholesterol does ultimately affect blood pressure. They kind of go hand in hand. If you think about those plaques forming in your arteries, if you are uh, narrowing the tubes, basically, that your heart can push blood throughout your body, if you have a much thinner tube, your heart needs to work a lot harder to move that blood throughout your body because it's got to force a lot more uh, fluid through a much smaller area. So typically individuals that do have high levels of cholesterol that are to a point where they are now developing these plaques will eventually develop this high blood pressure. And high blood pressure itself is you know, something that can be developed with higher levels of cholesterol, but it also increases the potential risk of having high cholesterol. And that's because these plaques that have built up on your arteries, if there is a lot of pressure behind them of your, of your heart working really hard to push blood around, they can break off and they can then travel. And that's ultimately what a stroke, some strokes are, is these plaques breaking off from somewhere else in your body and then getting stuck. So how do you get rid of the plaque? Yeah, once it's there, it's there. However, you by the time like you are there, like that's what triple bypass surgery is, is you are now bypassing these arteries that are very, very clogged. Ideally, if people know that they have elevated levels of LDL, you can do the work to bring those levels down. Now, if you've had high LDL for just a couple of years, two things on that. If you've never had high cholesterol your entire life, but now you have high cholesterol, mm -hmm. it is not genetic okay. or else you would have had high cholesterol in high school. So that's a good note. If you recently developed it, it's something that was developed based on your lifestyle. The other thing, though, is that high LDL for long, long periods of time is really what results in that L or that likelihood of those plaques forming. Not necessarily that one year is going to lead to that. Technically, we start developing plaques in our arteries as soon as we are born. Our bodies naturally produce cholesterol regardless of what we eat. It is a natural side effect of being a human being. But you don't want that rate of, of plaque formation to really be accelerated by high levels of LDL for very long periods of time, especially if it's coupled with any other sorts of inflammation like excess body weight, diabetes, if right. smoking is a horrible one, Yes, and, and having that high blood pressure. But inflammation comes from all sorts of things. And I think this is somewhere that I see with athletes a lot is, yeah, some inflammation is really great. Acute inflammation after you do a really tough workout. That's not the type of inflammation that we're talking about. But if you have an injury that's been nagging you for years, that is the same type of chronic inflammation that being a diabetic is basically. That impacts your formation of those plaques very similarly. So now you had mentioned you have this workshop that you're offering. So tell me a little bit about you know, what you're doing in your business now. Because when we talked before, you were kind of in the process of like, I don't know if it was like relaunching or rebuilding. Yeah. So I, I guess this is a COVID silver lining. I shifted my focus more towards cholesterol over this past summer. It's always been something that has been a passion of mine. I have a family history of high cholesterol. A lot of internal arguments happen in my family. Over cholesterol. And <laughs> yeah. 
And especially you being a dietitian, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, the one downside is that I can't control other people. If right. I could, I would definitely, I think, be more impactful lowering their cholesterol. Right. <laughs> but yeah, over the summer. So I also teach nutrition courses at UC Berkeley and I was teaching our introduction to nutrition course this past summer. And I was walking through with the students, the process of like how the body produces cholesterol. And I had a student that was all remote and I had a student that sent me an email afterwards saying that their parent had high cholesterol and uh, they made them watch that section. And the parent had, you know, had been on statin medications, had never gotten any of that information. They didn't have any idea what cholesterol was, why it was important, what, like, why they needed to care about it. And I was thinking uh, this information is really lost on the youth because cholesterol is not something that's on any like 18 year olds radar whatsoever. And coupling that with also in my private practice, speaking to people all the time that, you know, kind of come to a dietitian as a last resort because they want to avoid medication and feeling as if the only resource available to them to lower their cholesterol is going on medicine. And, you know, these two things kind of came together and made me realize that this information is so, so drastically needed in all of the country because there are 95 million Americans that have higher levels of cholesterol. Now, not all of those people are on statins or need statins, but there needs to be another option for how people can learn about cholesterol, learn to improve cholesterol, and then also be able to maintain those changes for the rest of their life. So the course that I made is, it's really trying to take all of the information that I would have provided in a one-on-one session and break it into small manageable chunks And it's divided into three sections. The first one is focused on just educating on what cholesterol is. And this one really, I put a lot of of time and effort into walking people through what it does in the body, why it might be high, how your genetics play a role in it. And that's because most doctor's offices, unfortunately, you get maybe 15 minutes with your physician. I've had some clients that they got blood work and immediately their doctor called in a prescription for statins without any type of explanation as to that they had high cholesterol, what that meant. And I think without that solid understanding of the background of cholesterol, it's really, really difficult to know why you're making changes and also stick with those changes. That's kind of the first part. The second part, we walk through the diet step by step. Um, So as I mentioned before, your first bit of homework is just writing down everything you eat without any sort of judgment. And then you tally up all of the different categories of foods that you eat. And that tells you which area you should focus on first. Right. So walking through lessons on meat, on dairy, eggs and shellfish, fruits and vegetables, grains, beans, all of those things, and seeing where you have the biggest opportunity to move your diet towards one that is going to support your cholesterol better. Right. Asian shellfish is its own lesson because that comes up all the time. Yes. There's a lot of confusion out there. And I think that's a downside of looking at individual foods. There was some study that was just redu- released, like eating chili peppers reduces your risk of heart disease. I can guarantee you that people that eat like bacon, egg, and cheeseburgers that eat chili peppers still are probably going to have very high levels of cholesterol. Right. But eggs and shellfish, they're high in dietary cholesterol, but they're really low in saturated fat. And our bodies cannot absorb a lot of dietary cholesterol. It's about 10%. So instead of demonizing eggs, but keeping in your steak, it's important to kind of weigh the decisions that you're making and know which ones actually make an impact. Someone mentioned to me the other day, I have to cut out peanut butter peanut butter is not the like 
demon here. Right. It's all the other sources of saturated fat in your diet where you're getting so much more. So walking through all of those different types of foods. And at the end of it, you have a plan that adjusts as you do. So I always encourage people to just try and make two or three small changes at once. Do not try and scrap everything. Yes, a vegan diet can be really helpful. But if you only stick on a vegan diet for two weeks and then bounce back to how you ate before, it is not helpful whatsoever. I think, yeah, like you have to set realistic goals for yourself that set you up for success that you can actually achieve. And yeah, like don't, not too many things at once. I agree. Yeah. And it's totally fine to take three months to build on a diet, like a snowball towards a diet that supports your cholesterol. If you do it in a sustainable way, you know why you're making all of those changes. You have bought into the changes that you're making and how they impact your health. Because again, yo-yoing your cholesterol is not good for anyone. Like no, your doctor doesn't want you to come and drop your cholesterol. And then three years later, it'd be way back up. That's not helpful and it's not healthy. And then the third part of the course is now that you have all of this information, how do you actually implement it for the long haul? So there's information on meal planning, on some meal prep, but I think where the best info is, is on how to have hard conversations with other people in your household that may not support this diet that maybe isn't what they would prefer. My favorite line from it is just that you are more important than ground beef. And you can tell your spouse you're trying to prevent cardiovascular disease or heart disease. If they still say they'd rather have ground beef than you not have a heart attack, there's probably other issues in your relationship. But it walks you through how to have those. Those are always challenging conversations because I find that in my experience, I have a lot of food allergies. When... I would be eating certain things or going out to restaurants and maybe not eating certain things. People get very upset. Like they feel insecure about themselves and they immediately take it as like something against them because you're not eating garlic and onions with tomatoes and eggplants. Like God forbid, you know, you can't eat those things. And then they immediately think like you don't eat anything. So I've been there. I've lived it. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah, it is challenging, but I really moved past that really quickly. I was like, well, we're not hanging out anymore. And it's like those little like uncomfortable situations, especially if you're confronted with that every single night. If yes. you, again, for women, you're perhaps who prepares meals for your family every single night when you sit down. Not only do you have a partner that is growling at you, but maybe you have kids that are also telling you how disgusting the food is and they're not going to eat it. Like, of course, you're going to get frustrated and give up, but it is so important to know that you can prioritize your health and that you can make your family also prioritize your health. Yeah. It walks through kind of how to have some of those tougher conversations and really put your foot down that it is okay to take care of yourself. As women, I feel like we're often on the back burner where like our needs are on the back burner of everyone else. And a healthy woman in the household is going to be a healthier household overall. Where can people access this course? I would say with the course, you also get a four-week meal plan. There is a private Facebook community. We have a monthly call where everyone comes together and you can talk about any issues that have come up for you. And I, I honestly really like the community aspect of it a lot because there's not really a place where everyone working on the same issue of trying to lower their cholesterol level are in one spot and can tell you like, oh, that happened to me or this is what I did in that situation. That's great. Which again, is just mind blowing to me because 95 million people in the United States have high cholesterol. And it's almost like because it's so pervasive that it's now normal when it's not normal. You don't need to have high cholesterol to be a human. 
yeah, places to go. I don't know if, if in the show notes, maybe we could put a yeah. link for where to go to a free class that I made that really summarizes the three biggest mistakes that I've seen over my years as a dietitian, working with people trying to lower their cholesterol and hopefully an effort not to fall into those traps either. And then it, it gives a little info on the course and where you can sign up for it. Your Instagram handle is? So my Instagram handle is lower.cholesterol.nutrition. And then you can act, there's a link right on there for how you can access the course. I hope that people sign up for your course. I mean, I think it's such a great thing. And if you are, so now you're super focused on cholesterol, will you move out into other topics? I would love to make also a course on high blood pressure. I'm going to try and get this one up and moving and then have that as part of a package because usually both of them do go hand in hand. And similarly, I don't think that there is good cohesive source of information about why some people have high blood pressure and what you can do to lower it, similarly to how cholesterol is. And honestly, the high blood pressure one is what made me start thinking about a course just because throughout all of this COVID-related things, high blood pressure is one of those pre-existing conditions that unfortunately results in poor, poor outcomes with that. And it just, I have, there's a lot of information for diabetes why high cholesterol and blood pressure don't also have as much info out there, even though just as many people suffer from those, I really do not know. I just think it's the beginning right now. Yeah. is the beginning of people taking charge of their health and being more interested in what's happening in their bodies. And, and I might be wrong, but a lot of the people that, the, a majority of the people that have some of these issues, health issues are a little bit older. And so they have mm -hmm. a different, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of young people too, but in general, I feel like the mentality is different. So people yeah. have to shift their perspective on how they take care of themselves because yeah, definitely. That's so, so helpful. I have been really wondering how to advise people also on mm -hmm. how to change their diet or eat healthy to combat high cholesterol. And I actually had no idea that I had an, a suspicion that there was a solution through food and not just medicine. Mm -hmm. So I think this is yep. like, you know, really, really helpful information. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. And I just felt like there was a massive gap in education available for people trying to lower their level. So I am insanely excited to be able to fill that hole. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 